The reading for today is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Blessed be the word. Thank you, Ray. This morning, as it is the, the week of July 4th, I thought I'd, take an op- I'd deviate from the lectionary a little bit and take the opportunity to talk about a patriot, to talk about one of our founding fathers, sort of, not a little earlier than the, actually the founding of the nation, but someone who has influenced this country and the ideals this country upholds. Uh, and, that's, and it comes directly from this scripture to a young um, uh, Anglican priest named Roger Williams, who long time ago, back in about 1630s, was working in England, was a parish priest there, became a minister, but he broke away from the church and was part of the congregational movement over the issue of religious liberty and freedom. And the Church of England, of course, was run by the, the, Eng, the English monarchy. Right? It was, had absolute power. And everyone was kind of born into a, a parish. And that was the congregational movement back in the, the 17th century was all about, wait a minute, people ought to be able to choose to be a part of a church, not have to be born into one and assigned one as as a young person or as an infant or wherever their family is. And so people were starting to choose to form into other small groups. And of course, actually at that time, the issue was they didn't want to be grouped together with a bunch of heathens who just happened to be forced into going to church they wanted to group together with real believers people who took it seriously and so they began to gather together in these congregational churches and roger williams was a part of that movement and he said to himself him and his his other uh, radical reformers of the time said freedom is paramount to our ability to have a genuine relationship with christ We must be free to choose Jesus. We must be free to choose God's love. Otherwise, how could, what is our motivation? We, how could you be certain of your relationship with God if you haven't had the freedom to choose it? Uh, free from any coercion, free from any kind of, um, any kind of, of force or even threat. In fact, Roger Williams was a little uncomfortable, and, and many others, like, like uh, John Smith and some others, were a little uncomfortable with the whole idea of hell because it seemed to be another motivation besides love. It seemed to be a motivation that came from somewhere else, like you were scared, ergo, I'm going to choose Jesus because you, you were scared of hell. Well, Roger Williams and, and other reformers were a little leery of that. So he... So in England, he was getting a lot of grief about all of this. So he fled England and he, he decided to go to the Americas. 
to the Massachusetts Bay Colony where he thought religion, you know, people left to, to exercise their religious freedom. Of course, when he got there, what he didn't realize was it's a full-on theocracy. It was even worse. Not only did they have no separation between the government and the church, but the church was the government. <laughs> and he got in all kinds of trouble. He kept going. He caused all kinds. He got reprimanded over and over again, thrown in the stockade or the stocks, rather, you know, like that. And finally, they banished him. They said, you know what, we've had enough of your radical ideas, uh, Roger, so you're gone. And he got lost out in the wilderness uh, over in the original colony there around Boston and, and was heading south and came across the Narragansett Indians, the natives there, who took him in, who fed him, who helped him uh, survive through winter and and a couple of years there, and came to really appreciate who they were and their own sense of of the world. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, Roger Williams was an at, was adamant about the fact that people needed Jesus, right? And but what he was most concerned about was that people were free to choose Jesus for themselves, and so. Uh, but he developed this incredible relationship with the Narragansett Indians and experienced this great thing among them. And at some point he, he came to them and he said, I would like to establish a colony. Will you sell me some land? And he, he negotiated a reasonable exchange there. And they gave him some land in what is now Rhode Island, and he founded the colony of Providence. Providence, Rhode Island in uh, 1636. Uh, Williams in, what Williams envisioned was a place of freedom where every individual would find the ability to seek Christ without compulsion, but with complete liberty. For without freedom, our experience with Christ may, diminish, may, may be diminished or even questionable. Freedom's uh, an incredibly important part of our relationship with Christ and our relationship with God. With the exception of grace, probably, I believe freedom is God's greatest gift. And without it, we are reduced to just, just unwitting servitude. And our love for God becomes nothing more than an impulse. We could not do otherwise unless we had our freedom. Freedom was given that we might choose our relationship with God. And this is what Roger Williams stood up for. And he and another guy up in, in uh, whose name I, John, not John Smith, another guy, Clark, John Clark, who founded a church in, in uh, Newport, they petitioned King Charles over and over and over again and nagged the king of because they were English colonies, right? Nagged the king of English, and they finally, when he got sick of it, they managed to acquire for themselves the very first charter that gave them absolute religious freedom and liberty from the church of Eng from the the monarchy of England. And with that charter, they went about establishing a place that was free. And it was because of that charter and because of the work of people like Roger Williams 
Later on, come around 1776 in there, and people started talking about what kind of country we would have. There were a few Baptists who insisted that part of our new vision for what a country can be has to have religious liberty. So that, and, and Thomas Jefferson said this, so that the Christian, the Jew, and the Islamist would all be able to worship freely and be free to choose how to worship on their own. It was an incredible thing that no other country had done. And Baptist brought you that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just a little plug there uh, because of that. I suppose there were a couple other congregational movements involved, but you know we, we, we got it in there early. So The Gospel stories are filled with examples of Christ reminding us that our freedom is paramount. That it is such an important part of what it means to be in a relationship with God. Christ seems... The only time Jesus gets angry is at those people who try to deny freedom to people, isn't it? Think about it. The Pharisees, whose hypocrisy and dogma became barriers between people and God. who They were chastised repeatedly for representing to the world a God who would enslave instead of a God who would set free. And think about all of Jesus' miracles. If we were to take the miracles as allegories, if we were to look at the metaphors of what miracles are about, what are the miracles about? They're about being set free. They're about getting rid of the shackles of our own sinfulness, getting rid of the shackles of our own uh, leprosy and our own uh, shortcomings that hold us back. It's about freedom. Jesus exercised so much for the cause of freedom in our relationship with God. Paul also, after Jesus, saw freedom that Christ offers as one of the hallmarks of what, it, of what the Gospel has to say. In this letter we read today, the letter to the Galatians, he begs them, he begs them to not enslave themselves again to the shackles of the law. See, the early church gets into this debate about, wait a minute, okay, if you're going to be Christian, do you have to be Jewish first and follow all of the laws and follow all of the, the, uh, the uh, food laws? And if you're a male, do you have to be circumcised before you can become a Christian? And Paul begs them, don't shackle yourselves to the law after Jesus has done so much, given His life, so that you might be free. Don't do it. He begs them. And in fact, he says, this is, this is a little PG-13, I apologize. In fact, he begs them, if they're so hung up on circumcision, he thinks they ought to just go all the way and be castrated <laughs> if they're so excited about circumcision. Because he's so angry about the notion of, of giving up their freedom that Christ gave all to afford us and give us. It is this biblical freedom that the early Baptists found so compelling in Scriptures and it became the touchstone of Baptist faith and it became one of the key tenets to what it is to be a citizen of the United States. Amen? And yet, how easily, how eagerly people throw that freedom away. Give it up. 
we often toss aside the freedom we're giving for dogmatic conformity. I don't understand this. I don't, I don't get this. Why this is so uh, appealing to so many people. Uh, if you want to know why the more, the more fundamentalist churches are thriving and mainline churches like this one are declining, it is my expert opinion that it is because people are eschewing this freedom in favor of having all the answers laid out for them, of having all the dogma and everything boxed up and handed to you. It just makes it so much easier to not have to think about your faith or have to, to decide what it is you believe and what it is you don't believe. I think people would prefer to just have a checklist. Okay, here's what you have to believe to go to heaven and for your family to go to heaven and all the people you love. And here's what you have to believe for all the people you don't like to go to hell and uh, all of that. And you just check it off and it makes it so easy. Okay, I'll believe that if it gets me what I want. The other thing that I think compels people to reject freedom in favor of dogma, in addition to wanting to be told what to do, is the people like telling other people what to do and what to believe as well. Isn't that fun? You know? It is very satisfying to look at this list of things that you're supposed to be and then look at yourself and go, well, I'm that. Oh, I'm that. I'm a, you know, I believe that and I believe that. And then to look around and go, but they don't. And they don't. Thank God I'm not like them. Because <laughs> it makes us feel better and to know that we have it all nailed down and we have it all put together and to look at others shortcomings and foibles and how wrong they are in their belief there's something within us as human beings where we can't help but compare and contrast and want to see ourselves a little higher than the other guy and throwing away our freedom in favor of a dogma gives us the ability to judge, doesn't it? For if this box is right for me, it must be right for all of you as well, right? I suppose another reason people choose dogma over freedom is that, quite frankly, freedom is a little bit scary. To have to decide and choose, to have to think about and to have to actually make a choice and a decision to say, you know what, I'm choosing this. Here's what I hear in Scripture. Here's what I feel God calling me to. Here's what I see God is saying to the world. Then it ends up costing you something. I got to tell you, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a liberal Christian. <laughs> I'm kind of a, you know, I've become, as I've grown older, I've become a bit of a peacenik and, uh, you know, a bit of a, you know, and I'm all, I'm, I'm all engaged in civil rights activities and things like this. And at some point I got outed to my parents and my family who are not, who are, who are pretty conservative, I got to say. And that was hard. Even harder was somehow somehow my youth leader when i was a kid from high school whom i i lived with their family and 
watch their kids grow up. They were incredibly influential in my faith life. But who, once they realized the kind of Christian I am, um, were, you know, expressed a lot of disappointment in who I've become. You know, that hurt. That's, that's hard. That's scary stuff. But I freely chose to follow a Christ that I found compelling, that I think died for this kind of freedom for all to develop and, and know a relationship with God on a one-on-one basis. And I've made choices about what I'm going to believe and what I'm not going to believe. And it's scary and it's costly at times. It can even cost us important relationships. But this was one of the core values that Roger Williams got in trouble for. He was uncomfortable with anything that smacked of coercion and felt that people must be free to doubt or to be critical or to wonder or to even say, you know what? I don't know about that. And at the end of the day, what, it, what you walk away with, if you can be honest, if we can be honest with ourselves and say things like, I'm not sure I get the Trinity and I'm not sure how necessary it is to get the Trinity. What a lot of freedom that gives you to explore the Trinity. Because quite frankly, we kind of take it for granted most of the time. No one ever talks about it or thinks about it or questions it. Or things like, what am I left with if I get rid of the divinity of Christ? Can I tell you that there are a lot, I had no, I have a lot of, there are a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ I know who said, you know what, I, I don't really get into the divinity of Jesus. And yet, they found so many other things about the message that Christ has so compelling that they've chosen to pattern their life around it. They said, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. So compelling is the message, even without the divinity that, that I find compelling. And yet they've opened up this whole other part of Christian faith by questioning and wondering and exploring and feeling the freedom to do so. And I guess as we approach, uh, as we approach Independence Day, the day of freedom here in the United States, I guess I wonder for this community, for this church, do we have what it takes to be able to sit in communion with one another and leave room for people to choose their own language about who Jesus is, to choose the things that are most compelling for them? And, and can, we be, can we sit comfortably and keep our mouths shut when someone says, you know, I don't think I get this whole Jesus thing and I quite frankly don't find it very exciting, but I kinda, I'm exploring still, so that's why I'm sitting here in this view. And we can go, can we go? Well, that's nice, you're welcome. <laughs> and just let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Because this is the truth. This is, my, this is the truth that I've discovered over the years is that quite frankly, if we let Jesus do it, we all come together. It's amazing 
even, it's amazing, even when we let people choose different language, at the end of the day when we really start exploring it, the person who, who says Jesus' blood covers my sin and the person who says that what Jesus represents is, is the, the, a righteous relationship with God that points us to a right relationship and, and wholeness and health in my own life. At the end of the day, they're both in the same place saying something God has done has changed me for the better. Amen? And I guess as we reflect on freedom today, my encouragement for us as a community is to be comfortable with that freedom. Even when new, weird, crazy ideas come along. And we can count on that Holy Spirit bringing us together in the name of Jesus. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious God, in freedom we have come here today. We have chosen to be worshipers of You to lift high the name of Christ, knowing that He is Your revelation to us. A revelation of love, compassion, and freedom. Help us never to take that freedom for granted. And may we always be comfortable to choose and allow others to choose their love for You. We ask all this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.